Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Tossing and turning all night like a salad? It's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker and I thought if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Not drinking requires you to exert cognitive control over your impulsive system, but it's difficult to develop the pause between the urge to drink and drinking. In this episode, you'll learn how your brain makes decisions, how working memory can impact how much you drink, and how this can help you stay sober. So let's dig in. seem 
like drinking or not drinking just kind of happens, but there's actually a battle in your brain between two systems when you're faced with a decision, the impulsive system and the reflexive system. The impulsive system is responsible for our immediate instinctual reactions to stimuli in our environment. So an example would be conditioned stimuli like the sight or smell of alcohol that we associate with pleasure or stress relief. Conditioned stimuli are all of the cues that we've built out over the years. So the time of day, coming home from work, cleaning the house, cooking, socializing, warm weather, things like that. The reflexive system is responsible for recalling past emotional experiences and using that information to evaluate the current situation. If we're confronted with a situation that triggers our conditioned response to drink, like having a bad day at work and needing to cope with the stress, our impulsive system might immediately activate and override the reflective system leading us to drink without considering any consequences or considering our goals to not drink. I shared a personal story in last week's episode about a time that I drink automatically without thinking about it. So if you drink impulsively, it can feel really hopeless. But if we train ourselves to become more aware of these triggers and to actively engage the reflective system, we may be able to pause and think through our actions. The idea is if we can have better cognitive control over these processes, then we can regulate the automatic impulsive circuit and stay sober. There are two types of dopamine neurons that we have to be aware of. The D1 neurons are part of the go pathway in the brain, and the D2 neurons are part of the no-go path. So this is part of the decision-making process, or the go-no-go process. Your brain decides if it should do something or not do it. When the D2 neurons are activated, it tells you to wait, stop, or do nothing. And when the D1 neurons are activated, it tells you to do the action. The D2 neurons are like your off switch. And I talked about this in a lot more detail in episode 125, why you have no off switch. So check that out if you haven't. A 2011 study published in Drug and Alcohol Dependence looked at whether behavioral training of inhibition would help participants drink less. They had a group where they trained them that seeing a picture of beer meant that you should press a button. So training the impulsive go response. And a second group was trained to do nothing when they saw the picture of the beer. Their drinking was assessed through questionnaires before and after the training. And it's important to note that the participants were college kids and not people with alcohol use disorder. Lots of studies are done on college kids, probably because it's much easier to recruit them than problem drinkers for a study about problematic drinking. These students also had strong positive associations with alcohol, which will be important later. After the inhibition training, they found that the students drank less the following week, and the students who received the GO training ended up drinking more the following week. So the conclusion here was that teaching people to associate alcohol cues with a GO response increases how impulsive they are, so they end up drinking more. And teaching people to associate alcohol cues with a no-go response 
decreases how impulsive they are. So remember, no-go cues mean stop or wait. So when you're less impulsive, you're able to pause and think about your action before you do something. In real life, the people you hang out with probably have an impact on strengthening or weakening the impulsive go response. If your friends, spouse, or family are always encouraging you to have one more drink, then that could strengthen the go response. And if you hang out with mostly moderate drinkers who stop drinking after a drink or two, then you'll probably feel more pressure to stop yourself strengthening the no-go or wait response. But remember, it's not their fault, they just have an influence. The ability to override impulsive behavior requires executive functioning skills. Unfortunately, heavy drinking damages the brain, especially the parts of the brain that are responsible for thinking and planning. So we may have deficits in executive control building up over time. These skills help with self-regulation and are responsible for planning, focusing our attention, our memory, and for multitasking. And previous studies have found that low executive functioning is associated with uncontrolled impulses to drink. Not everyone has the same brain. And it seems like some of us start out with reduced executive functioning, and that makes us more vulnerable to developing a problem with alcohol. According to a 2016 review published in Nature Reviews Neuroscience, your working memory capacity is a reflection of your higher order cognitive abilities. So this means that if your working memory sucks, then the rest of your executive functioning skills probably are not that great either. Working memory can improve with training though, and it's been shown that improving your working memory can increase the activities of neurons in the prefrontal cortex and increase the strength of the connections between the prefrontal cortex and the rest of the brain. This is important because we need our prefrontal cortex to help us make good decisions and then send this information to the rest of the brain. A 2011 study published in Psychological Science looked at working memory training in heavy drinkers. So these are adults that scored high on the audit test. A high score is not good. That means that your drinking is pretty severe. But unlike the college kids who have positive associations with alcohol, this group of heavy drinkers actually had stronger negative associations with alcohol. This is really interesting, and I think this represents how when we begin drinking, it's great, and it solves all of our problems. But as we develop a problem with it, we have a lot more negatives showing up, like anxiety, bad sleep, humiliation, alcohol-fueled fights, and more. This study had a training group where they kept increasing the difficulty of the working memory tasks until the participant had failed it twice in a row. So it was subjective training based on your working memory. The control group had the same working memory task on easy mode and it never increased in difficulty. They found that the training group went from about 36 drinks a week on average down to 25 or 26 drinks a week, and that they maintain this reduction in drinking at the one-month follow-up. The control group had a slight reduction in their drinking because, remember, they were still having working memory training. It just stayed easy. They reduced their drinking by a couple drinks a week on average. And now wait, before you get all excited and you think that these studies 
mean that you can train your brain to moderate. You still can't. First of all, the reduction was only seen for a week in the case of the college students or a month in the case of the heavy drinkers. Who knows what happened after that? And just because these participants saw a reduction in drinking doesn't mean that they saw a reduction in suffering. There are a lot of people in my community that can moderate, but they're still interested in sobriety. I've even spoken to some people that drink once a week or once a month, but it still makes them suffer even if they barely drink. It's not the amount or your ability to have one or two that's important. It's how much you think about your drinking and how you feel about yourself when you do drink. Getting momentum in reducing your drinking is good though. It's really good and it's something you should be proud of. Less alcohol is always better. And I have plenty of people in the Living a Sober Powered Life community who have reduced before they quit for good. Not everybody has a huge rock bottom and quits cold turkey. I think these studies are interesting because if we can improve our cognitive skills like our working memory, then we may be able to fight impulses to drink and stay sober because it's really hard when you're not used to having all of these urges and impulsive feelings because you just drink all the time and you don't pay attention to now be fighting to stay sober because your brain is just telling you to drink or if you're someone like in the case of the story I told last week where you just drink without even thinking about it that makes it really really hard to stay sober so I think that these studies illustrate how important it is to do the work because as we build up self-awareness and we start to develop these skills and learn to manage our emotions and have coping skills, our executive functioning will improve, which then makes it easier to stay sober. And then because our executive functioning has improved, our cognitive capabilities are also improved and it's just a positive feedback loop. So go do some work today, and I will talk to you next week. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.